You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. We talk a lot about homelessness on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Maybe we got an answer here. It's Armstrong and Getty Extra Large. Because four hours simply isn't enough. This is Armstrong and Getty Extra Large. Anthony Brown is a former drug addict and drug dealer who was homeless for 23 years, incarcerated a bunch of times, got sober, turned his life around, became an author, speaker, business owner, college professor, counselor. Uh, registered nurse, and he says he knows what needs to be done to get people off the streets, which is an answer we're always looking for. We live in California where there's a lot of homeless and it's growing all across the country. Let's get to the answer. Anthony, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm well, thank you. Excellent. It's uh, We're really glad you're spending a few minutes with us because we are about solutions. You know, we certainly have our beliefs, but if we're wrong about them, uh, we stand ready to be corrected because the situation in California, really all over America, can't continue. So why don't I hit you with this, Jack, having given a brief version of your backstory, and I'm sure we could talk for an hour about it easily. But if someone had, for instance, gotten you an apartment, gotten you housing in the midst of the drug abuse and the rest of it, would that have turned your life around? Is that the answer? Um, just housing alone, no. That would not. I would have probably recreated the environment that I came from exactly where I was. Yeah, yeah. So what did turn your story around? What did it take? Well, first I had um, realized that I had a problem. That was the first thing, because the way I was living, it became my norm, so I didn't think I had a problem, even though I've been incarcerated several times and I've been homeless for a long time. I didn't think anything was wrong with that, so I had to become aware of that issue first. And then from there, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. Finish your story. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then from there, I was um, 
bought into an environment, got sober, and then started living in the environment that I was bought into as I um, continued to stay sober. So when you were on the street, 23 years homeless is a long time. I imagine you ran into a lot of people. Is there a... um uh, a single quality or or type of person, or d- 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 can you paint the homeless situation with a, a broad brush at all, or is everybody's situation different? Um, my situation, I come from um, domestic violence and abused childhood. So I, I left when I was 14, and I stopped the madness when I was 37, so that was my 23 years. And I know as I got educated, I discovered that I had a lot of uh, repressed childhood issues that wasn't dealt with, that my coping skills was drug abuse, and I didn't have any living skills for drug selling, and that led to incarceration and all of that. And once I am in that environment, I just grow and thrive within that homeless environment. Interesting. So I think what, what Jack was driving at is is a lot of homeless advocates claim that all homeless people just got hit with one more medical bill than they could handle or housing prices are, are just high. And that's why people are homeless. Uh, aren't there like separate groups, for instance, the people who stay in shelters, are they different than the people in the tent camps? Uh, yeah, I think I'm. Um... There's there's different levels of homelessness. I mean, if we're going to categorize them, I mean, there's people who um, are couch surfing, so to speak. There's people that are living in hotel rooms. You know, there's different levels. And as you experience one more traumatic event or one more loss, then you go one more level low. And so shelters, um, either people are on their way up or trying to get up or they're on their way down. Because once you hit the streets, you pretty much have just – given up almost um, any you you want to change but you give up that um that drive to make it happen how many of people you run into on the streets are alcoholics or drug addicts uh, quite a few actually um <laughs> I, I would say probably eh, maybe 80 percent that's pretty high yeah, yeah. and w- would you agree that I mean, the mere presence of of drug rehabilitation programs is not going to get somebody sober. They have to really, really want to be sober. Yes, you have to. In my case, I I ran out of options. The drugs, after a long period of time doing drugs, you're not really getting high. You're just doing them. It's just second nature. Hmm. And um, basically, I I used them to escape. Um, and after that didn't happen anymore, I just used it because that was just the thing to do at the moment. When, um, were you ever a beggar? A beggar? Yeah. A panhandle? Yeah. Um, I, I did whatever it took. I mean, I, I stole stuff. I sold drugs. I asked for money. Um, what, whatever, whatever it took for me to get whatever it is I had to get at the moment. Yeah. Well, so what did you usually do with the money? You or anybody else that was panhandling? What, where'd the money go? Uh, my money usually went towards getting drugs. Yeah, yeah. that's the yeah. assumption a lot of us have. <laughs> that's why I don't give money to beggars generally. So, uh, Anthony, the the various governments, whether it's cities, counties, or the state of California, um, for instance, are talking about spending billions and billions of dollars to quote unquote, you know, get people off the streets, help the homeless. If you were in charge of um, uh, finding a solution to the growing homeless problem in California, for instance, where would you start? 
I would start with taking one of these institutions that leaves close, because I thought about this. Um, there's a lot of um, hospitals or prisons or um, old developmental centers that the state has shut down, and I would take that and sort of recreate, for lack of a better term, a, a homeless village. I would allow people to stay there. I would teach them vocational skills, whether it's cutting the grass around the facility, um, culinary skills, whether you're working in the kitchen. I would give them some sort of vocation in their environment, and I would even allow them to create some sort of small city council so that they can have some ownership to their environment and help promote their their self-esteem and self-worth. That would be my solution. It seems pretty obvious to us that the places that have the most money being spent on the homeless situation have the most homeless. How do you avoid that uh, catch-22? Well, we we tend to... Um, they, they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result. And we seem to keep trying the same methods that hasn't worked, but somehow we feel that they're going to work eventually. We need... We knew, we need new thinking, and that's where I think the funding should go. So did you did you stay where you grew up or where you started your time being homeless, or did you go to places that had more benefits and, say, gentler laws about uh, camping out? Well, when I was homeless, I started when I was 14, and I'm from another state, Ohio. Okay. And... When I ran away from home, I was living in abandoned houses, and I worked for a carnival and things of that nature. And then when I turned 18, my friend said, well, let's just go to California. And I thought, well, California was better than what I was experiencing in Ohio. So I came out here and became homeless. And, and where in California? Um, I started out in um, Linwood, and then I migrated down to Orange County to Costa Mesa. Uh, why, why did you make that move? Uh, because in, in Linwood... Um, I had got a job working at a fast food place, and I was stealing money, and the heat was on, so I just got transferred to a different place to steal money. Ah, wow, okay. So you personally didn't, like, go to the softest, cushiest place for homeless people? No, I just went wherever the wind blew me. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I was going to kind of ask about that. Like, how much thought do... The, when you're sitting around with other homeless people, do you talk much about how we're going to get out of this situation? Or is it more of a just, like, getting through today? You don't think ahead. Uh, there, there's moments when you're sitting around and you're sad and, you know, you want something different, but you don't know how to get something different. It's it's one of those, situa- one of those situations where you know, you know something isn't right, but you don't know exactly what's wrong. Yeah. If you were a mayor of a city, I'll go ahead if you have more thoughts on that. Go ahead. No, no, no. God, God, that's, that's, that's I, my thought on I was one. just going to say, if you were the mayor of a city, would you perf- would you permit tent encampments in your city? Uh, tents, not necessarily, because they're not really um, sanitary, and they're temporary. I would, I would try to find a location, um, like I said, one of these um, old prisons or something, and refurbish that and turn that into a um a small environment yeah so you can understand people who have say their their kids favorite park is now full of tents with people doing drugs and pooping and leaving needles or whatever you understand the frustration that people here have rather seeing their neighborhood go that route i i understand the frustration but the thing that um I think people lose track is 
all of those people in those tents are are somebody's mothers, brothers, daughters. You know, they're somebody's child. I mean, they're just like me. And yes, it can get frustrating seeing what you see. But what are we going to do about it? And we could talk about it. We can get mad about it. But what are we actually willing to do about it? What do you think? So one thing that's different about you versus homeless people that haven't escaped that what what what's different about you or what did you do different what i did different was i just got to the point where i was tired and i think i was given i've been given many opportunities a lot of people asked me if i wanted some help but i didn't want to help at that time and i just hit a bottom in which I was willing to do anything and it was a struggle. It was, it was a struggle, but people around me understood that it is a struggle and it was more supportive and nurturing as I grew until I got on my own feet and then just flourished. Okay. I don't, I don't mean to be at all insensitive uh, in this. I just, we, we around here have the philosophy that people are responsible for their own lives and that if you enable people to be drug addicts, they will be drug addicts for a longer time. And if you have a set of policies that enable drug addiction, you will get more drug, drug addicts in your town. Is, is that not right? Is, is the sympathetic soft approach really the way to go, do you think? Well, drug, drug addiction is, is, in my opinion, a disease. And I think we, it's, it's easy to get somebody sober. I mean, there's treatment centers all over the place. The same thing with mental illness. The thing is, is what happens once somebody decides they want treatment? Is it available? Um, as far as once an addict, always an addict, I, I myself, I consider myself an alcoholic and addict. I will always be an alcoholic and addict, and I cannot safely ingest anything. But I had to learn that, and I, I've done it from trial and error throughout my whole history. I could, I could never start and stop. And so to be sympathetic, yes. To be compassionate, yes. To be firm, absolutely. Interesting. But once you, yeah, but once, once you tell us, hey, stop, okay, what's the alternative? All right. So, so let me hit you with this. If, if there were absolutely treatment options available, but the cops ran you out of where you were, like sleeping in a tent every night to the point that it was just, no way to live do you think more people would go for treatment sooner i think um one of my turning points was a police officer that continued to arrest me because i didn't know that cops worked a certain beat and i just hung out in a certain place and so i continued to get arrested by the same officer over and over and over again and then one day he just asked me he's like don't you think you want to do something different and at that point, I said yes. And then he had connections to a treatment center that scholarship makes that no money, and the rest, you know, it's history. But as far as um, constantly having your property thrown away and all of that, if there's no alternative, then you're just going to return back to what you know. Yeah, interesting. Hey, Anthony, we really appreciate the time and uh, en enjoy the chat. Uh, like we said, we're just trying to dig into the, the question and deal with reality as opposed to, you know, slogans and throwing money around. Right. And and I think that's what we need. We, we need reality. We need to be able to look at this. Because I, I think about this all the time because I've been there and I've done that. And I'm doing my best to 
try to help other people. We need to have a collective group of individuals, whether it's sociologists, to, to see what's going on in that environment, uh, behavioralists, to see how we can change the way we act and think, whether it's psychologists, psychiatrists, um, addiction counselors. We, we need the whole group, not just one person saying, my way is better, do this, because homelessness is not a one-size-fit-all solution. Right. All right. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Anthony. So one of the problems where the rubber meets the road, I think, a lot is, you know, it worked for Anthony because for whatever reason, and this is the magic or miracle or whatever of people who do get sober, nobody knows what causes some people to do that. But most people don't. And the mm-hmm. success rate of these places is very, very low. And I, I don't I don't I just don't know how you deal with the reality of that. Yeah, and, and I will... I will continue to state, partly because I know me and I I know what the devil on the one shoulder is saying and I know what the angel on the other shoulder is saying and has been saying to me my entire life, I continue to believe that that cop saved Anthony's life because he made it impossible to be comfortable as a junkie. And, and, you know, it's always a combination of push and pull factors, I think, that get people to make the right decision and, and go the right route in life. Whether you're talking about, you know, just motivation in general or, uh, or, or substances or whatever excess you're involved in, um, it's, it's never just pull factors. You realize this sucks and I don't want it anymore. And so I, I just I will continue to maintain if you make it effortless for people to be junkies, you will get more junkies and they will be junkies for a longer time. And then a practically unanswerable question of how many shots do you give somebody at a rehab and continue to let them hang out on your streets? Well, I liked his his idea of having some sort of centers somewhere. But, you know, and, and none other than London Breed, the way left mayor of San Francisco, said, look, we're going to have all sorts of places and all sorts of programs. The one place you're not going to be is on the street yeah. in a tent. Yeah. Can't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. And good for her. Extra large. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.